Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Amen. Thank you, sister. Sure do appreciate that. I want you to turn to somebody and say, I believe. Oh, that wasn't very convincing. I believe. I believe. Have you seen God do some things in your life? I preached a message several Thanksgivings ago, and the title of the message was, I Saw God Do It. And I've seen God, I've seen God do some things. And you know, God, God's not finished doing some things. Isn't that right? And you just got to believe, right? We serve a God who, who enters into life, you know, daily. And every time he does, it's just a miracle. And I'm glad I get to be a part of that, aren't you? Well, amen. Well, good morning, church. We're sure glad you're here. And I uh, trust you have a wonderful time of fellowship with us here at Open Bible this morning. If you're a guest, we, we really are honored that you've uh, decided to join us today. And I uh, pray that you'll, you'll feel right at home amongst the family of God that meets here at a place called Open Bible Baptist Church. Praise the Lord, right? You have your Bibles? Let me see your Bible. Go ahead and hold it up. Aren't you glad you have a Bible? Praise the Lord. You know, the psalmist said this, the psalmist said in Psalm 24, verse number one, now pay attention to this. He said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Take that in for a second. Let that soak in. Psalm 24, verse one. He said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and everyone therein. And so in other words, here's what he's saying. Uh, God owns it all. It all belongs to him. Isn't that right? Uh, the earth, the world. You say, what's the difference? Well, that's a theology class that you'll have to come back for. The earth, the world, everything on it, and everyone on it. Or we might say in it. Talking about the world, right? So God owns it all. And I want you to pay attention uh, to that thought just for a second, because I want to speak to us this morning about stewardship. Stewardship. And I'm going to use this little clicker here just for a little bit, because I'm going to illustrate some things as we go through the message this morning. But, but I, I, want you to, I want you to get that Bible verse down with me. Psalm 24, verse number one. He said, again, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. And we would say this, now pay attention to this statement, that is the very foundation of stewardship. Did you get that? I'm going to go slow because I don't want you to miss any of this. That is the very foundation of stewardship. And we would sum it up with this statement, it all belongs to the Lord. How many of us agree? Would you raise your hand? I agree. It all belongs to the Lord, including Say this with me, including my life. Ooh, that was big. You didn't know I was going there, did you? Huh? It, it, it all belongs to the Lord, 
including my life. I'm not sure about you, but daily I wake up, when I wake up in the morning, the very first thing I thank God for is my life. Thank you for the gift of life. Are you with me? It's not guaranteed. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. And the older we get, we come to realize how true that is. And so when we talk about stewardship, it begins with you and I understanding that God owns it all. It all belongs to him, including my life, right? And then we take it mm, to the next level. And the next level says this, there will be a final audit. Say, ouch. Say, ooh. There will be a final audit where you and I will give an account of of our life to God. You got real quiet. Huh. Now, I, I need you to get this because the whole message hinges upon that truth. It all, it all belongs to God. God owns it all, including my life. And one day, the Bible teaches, there will be a final audit, not by the IRS or by some church leadership, there will be a a final audit by God himself where you and I will have to give an account for our lives. Wow. Now take that in for a second. That that means this. That means one day we're going to stand before almighty God and give an account for how we used the life he gave us. For some of us now, we got some years under our belt. Are you with me? And that means this. I got saved when I was uh, almost 20 years old, and this upcoming year I'll be, I'll be 63 in October. I'm not there yet, Mike, so still 62. But I have, to, I have to answer now for almost 43 years of life. If I were to die tomorrow, I'd have to answer to the Lord for what I've done with my life up to this point. Man, that's serious business. Somebody say, preach another message. <laughs> that's, that's pretty serious stuff, huh? And I could, if I wanted to, I can go down the list of items that you and I are going to have to give an account for. But let me just sum it up with this statement. We're going to have to also give an account for the information that we've acquired. Wow. So I'm going to have to one day stand before Almighty God and give an answer to him for how I used my life and then for all the information that I've acquired, beginning with salvation and everything that comes with it. How about that? So, see, sometimes we talk about stewardship. The very first thing we think about is money. Oh, the preacher's going to try to get more money out of me. Huh? Now, Don't get ahead of yourself because that is where we're going with this message. (laughs) But stewardship is more than that. You know, it talks about you and I understanding, I mean, really understanding at the very core that that God owns all. It all belongs to him. Even the life that I live, he gave me, and it's a gift from above. And one day I'm going to have to stand before him at this final audit. That's nerve-wracking to me. But I'm going to have to answer to him. The Bible talks about the Bema Seat of Christ or the Judgment Seat of Christ. And so, look here. If you and I, timetable, if you and I expire 
I hate to use the word die, but if you and I expire today, you know, uh, we're going to wait for the very next thing that happens on the timetable, which is the judgment seat of Christ or the judgment of Christ. Hello? And that's where we give uh, an account of what we've done with, with what he's given us, beginning with our life and all the information that, that came along with it. Hello? Right? And so that includes this. That would include things, and we talk about this all the time, that includes things like our time. You've heard that, right? Where we have to give you know, an answer to God for how we use the time he gave us. And then, and then our talents, because you know, God has given you. You were born with certain talents, and then when you got born again, he gave you certain gifts. So now you have gifts and talents, right? Hello? Uh, do you ever notice this, how some people are just mechanically inclined and then some people have no idea what to do with a hammer? That was better than you just let on. Right? That's, that's not a gift. That's a talent. That's a natural talent. And for example, there are some people. Here's a Tanea. Tanea probably was singing like that when she was nine years old, seven years old, six. She probably came out of her mother's womb singing. It sounded something like this. Wah! Wah! But she was singing away. Right? And that's a talent. God, but, and then there's the gift. You know, now I have the gift to sing in the shower, uh, you know. Uh, but natural, natural abilities and then spiritual gifts, we're going to have to answer to God for how we use them. Isn't that right? And then, and then I have to bring it up. I must bring it up because the Bible talks about it, our money. You know, so you got time, you got, you got talents, and you got treasures, and we're going to have to one day answer to God for how we used all of it. So having said that, I've been here now pastoring now since last June, and I've yet to bring a message on giving or money because it's not something that I talk about often. You know, I usually let God take care of that, but we do need instruction. And I want to talk to us today about generational giving. Say amen right there. Generational giving. That's an interesting subject, isn't it? Huh? Generational giving. Uh, according to uh, the generations, this is how it breaks down. I hope you can see this. Can you see that okay? That's the best I can do with it. But, but we go all the way down, and that only began in 1910. Is anybody here born before 1910? Brother Riddell, when... <laughs> Nineteen oh eight. You're looking pretty good for your age, man. Yeah, especially behind that mask, you look great. So, can you see that? Okay. Yeah. So this is just a list of generations, and it begins with the greatest generation, right? And you know that's the that's the World War II, and, and you know what? We're losing that generation rapidly. And then the silent generation, 1925 to 1945, baby boomers. How many are in that? Who's a baby boomer? Go ahead and be proud of it. I is a baby boomer. And then Generation X, 1965 to 79. Uh, The millennials, 1980 to 1994. Generation Z, 95 to 2014. Where's the the Generation Zers? Would you raise your hand if you were born during that period of time? Raise it up again. Now, be proud of it, man. Yeah, there you go. And then, and then now, I, Generation Alpha. Have you heard about this one yet? Generation Alpha. 
that's 2015 to on to 2030. That's what they're going to call the next generation, Generation Alpha. And here's, here's the truth of it. This is what it looks like today as far as population. You'll notice that real small little gray slot, that's the great generation. And you see how it's shrinking? In fact, I have to look there to see it. Uh, it's down to just 1% of our population left on earth is part of the, great gen the greatest generation. You know? And then it goes on to the silent generation, 8.3. Baby boomers, uh, we take up a pretty good part of the earth right now, folk. Uh, we're 22, almost 23% of the population. Generation X... 19%, millennials, 21%, 22%, and then Generation Z, Generation Z, that's those born through 96 to 2014, 24, almost 25% of the Earth's population is Generation Z. Are, are, are you seeing that? And then, and then we have uh, those born since 2015, just 2%, you know? Now, here's something about the generations and talking about generation giving. Uh, it, it, it breaks down to, to generational philosophy. These are pretty big words, right? Uh, generational giving. Never heard that before. Generational philosophy. What in the world is he talking about? All right. Give me, give me a baby boomer. Somebody who's a baby boomer. Craig, Craig Wilson, you're a baby. Would you stand up, please? I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than stand up because I know, I know how old you are. <laughs> um, Quentin. You're a, you're a what? Generation? Let me go back and help you out here. You're a, you're a, when were you born? You were born in what, what year? Who? 2000? Well, then you are a what? He's a Generation Z. Would you stand up? This is Quentin, and this is his twin brother. He was born in 2012. <laughs> All right, so now, do you mind me asking how old you are? How old are you, Craig? Who? 68? Wow, you look pretty good for your age. 68. How old are you, Quentin? 20. 20. Big difference, right? 68 and 20, let's do the math there, in between them to 105 years. People are looking like, that didn't add up. So you got a few years here, right? So, so pay attention to this. Generational philosophy, you know what that means? That means this. Uh, a 68-year-old and a 20-year-old, 20, 20 20, they're going to think differently. Guaranteed. They're going to think differently. Uh, they're going to view life through a different lens. Right? Craig is preparing uh, for more days on the water fishing. This young man is preparing for his career. He's at the end of his career, looking forward to some great days ahead. He's just getting started. Different thought, generational thought. Are you with me? Right? Now, now, pay attention to this. There are some things I'll guarantee you they'll agree on. They'll agree on it. And I'll guarantee you this. There are some things they'll disagree on. You don't believe me? All right, let's see. Do you believe God's word? The Bible is God's word? Do you believe the Bible is God's word? You do. Do you like cheeseburgers? Be honest. A little bit. Do you love cheeseburgers? How much? A lot. <laughs> so who is it does, doesn't eat meat? Ah, uh, it's this guy right here. I picked the wrong brother. <laughs> Sit down for a second. Stand up. 
twin number one or two? Who are you? Number two, right? Do you love cheeseburgers? Do you, do you even like them? Would you even eat one? How many would you eat today if you had them? Two or three, <laughs> right? And that's just minor stuff, right? So there's something, you believe the Bible is God's word? You do, you do. But cheeseburgers, out the window, right? So there's different ge generational philosophy. There's things they're going to agree on and things they're going to disagree on. Here's my question. How, you may be seated. Thank you, guys. How in the world can they dwell together on earth in harmony? I mean, look here. A 20-year-older is going to think differently than a 68-year-older. And by the way, if you, were born, if you were born in the beginning, if you're a baby boomer and you were born in the very beginning, you're 77 years old. Huh? And, and then uh, what's that other generation there? Let me get back to my generations. Uh, go back to 1995. If you're a generation Zer, the 77-year-older dwelling on earth with a, how old would, would somebody born in 1995? 28 years old? How old would he be? Huh? 28 years old. So you got a 77-year-older and a 28-year-old. Guaranteed there's a difference in philosophy. Huh? Uh, Quincy, Quentin, uh, how much money do you have saved for retirement? Do you even care about it? <laughs> Didn't even start working yet. I'm not going to ask Craig that because his son-in-laws are sitting right there and they're going to want to know. <laughs> right? So, generational philosophy. How in the world can a 68-year-older, a 77 and a 28, a 68 and a 20-year-old, how can they dwell in, they, look here, they have got to be able to believe in something that transcends culture, time, and age. And you know what that is? <laughs> there it is, right? The only way, pay attention, the only way generations can dwell together in harmony anywhere is if there's something that transcends their philosophy, something that transcends their culture. And that's where church comes in. We're trying to make church fit every generation when all we got to do is stay true to the Word of God because this will transcend the generations. Are you with me? And that's preaching for another day, but it's necessary. Because you look around today, and all we're doing, all we're trying to do, we're trying to get the church to fit everybody's likes and dislikes. When all we got to really do is just allow ourselves to transcend to the truth and submit to it. Amen? Huh? So, if we take that same thought, oh, oh, I, oh, I wanted to show you this picture. There's a baby boomer and a Gen Z. If we had time, I would say point out the differences. <laughs> they're very, and I'm not even talking about the color of their hair. But look at the computers they're using. Huh? Right? And so, uh, I want to take this thought into generational giving. Generational giving. Are, are, are you with me? Uh, you know, the, 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 the Bible says this, that we are to be stewards. You know what the word steward means? It means manager. Now, now, let me take you back here for a second. Now, it all belongs to God, including our life, right? One day we're going to give an account at, at an audit by Almighty God. We're going, to give, we're going to give an account for how we used everything he's given us, beginning with our lives. Are you with me? 
<laughs> yes? And so, in essence, if he owns it all, all we do is we manage it. We manage it. We're stewards. And the Bible, Bible says it's important that a steward be found faithful. Faithful. So we need to be faithful stewards. And part of that is handling, handling not just the time, but, but I think part of it is how we, how we handle, how we treat others, and how we handle finances. And some of it, how we handle God's finances. Are you with me? Huh? And so as stewards, one day we're going to give an answer to God for how we used the money he gave us. Look at this text of Scripture. Uh, we ask you to turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Would you look at this text of Scripture here? It says in verse number 6, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. I don't need to, I don't need to comment on that, right? So if you sow a little bit, you're going to reap a little bit. Isn't that right? But he which soweth bountifully shall reap also so if you sow a little bit more, or if you sow a lot, you'll reap a little bit more, or you'll reap a lot. Right? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man, finish a class, soweth, that shall he also reap. Right? You're going to reap in proportion to the amount that you've sown. Period. And then it says this in verse, next verse. Uh, Every man, verse 7, every man, according as he hath purposed in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Isn't that awesome? Go ahead and smile. God loves a cheerful giver. God delights when I delight in giving back to him or giving in general. God delights when we delight in things he's told us to do. I don't know about you, my dad's been with the Lord for a long time, and, but when he was alive, uh, as I got older, as I grew up, I always wanted to do things that would please him. I always wanted to do things that he would be proud of. In fact, sometimes I, I kind of overthought it, you know? And sometimes I even struggled with something God wanted me to do, but would my dad be okay with that, you know? Uh, and, and so I always wanted to please or make my dad happy. Well, I have that same attitude toward my heavenly father. You know, if I know he delights when I delight in doing what he's called me to do, I want to do what he's called me to do because I want to be a delight to him. I want to be a burden to him. How about you? Huh? Right? And so this text of scripture says God loves a cheerful giver. And we can go on and read a whole lot more and add more into it. But let's stop there just for, just for a moment. Uh, let me see if I can help us this morning when it comes to giving. Uh, according to Scripture, there's just two uh, categories that giving is placed into. Listen to this carefully. I'm going to go slow. The first category is considered required giving. Say that with me. Required giving. Right? Are you aware that there is a certain amount of money that God requires from us? By the way, this didn't start. How old is Open Bible? 70 years, Brother Preacher? How old is Open Bible? I'm sorry? 1949. Do the math on that. 74 years. Look here. Tithing did not begin in 1949 when Open Bible Baptist Church came into existence. 
When did you start pastoring this church, preacher? What year? That's how long it's been. Who? 68. Uh, did you invent tithing, preacher? People think you did. I know you, you brought it to another level. You, you required 15%. I understand that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, it's been around from the very beginning. In fact, in fact, in fact, now pay attention here. Tithing came before the law. Because some people will say this today because you're, you're trying to rob God, you're trying to cheat God, you're trying to be a real uh, cheapskate. You'd say, but tithing, tithing was under the law, and we're no longer under the law. Really, if you're no longer under the law, when's the last time you killed somebody and thought you can get away with it? Isn't it amazing how we try to just use things to... Tithing came way before the law. Tithing came before Abraham and, and, and Moses. And from the very beginning, God has required of his own to give him a portion back. And so there's required giving, and then there's something called sacrificial giving. Are you with me? So let's see if I can help you understand this. Required giving is called the tithe. How many of us have called it in the very beginning the tithe? Do you tithe? <laughs> it's called the tithe, and that simply, simply means, what, is the, what does the tithe indicate? What does the tithe say with me? It is, somebody say it right there, 10%. 10%. Aren't you glad that God didn't require 90%? And left us with 10%? No, he requires 10%, right? And he leaves us with 90%. Isn't that wonderful? When I'm meeting with young couples trying to uh, set their lives straight, I try to give them an, an 80, a 10, 10, 80 plan for, for finances. You know what that is? You give 10% to God right off the top. You put 10% you, you, you into a savings account and you live off the 80%. Are you with me? And then, if you're really wise, you're no longer going to need the 80% to live off. You can take and give a little bit more to God and a little bit more to yourself in savings. 10, 10, 80, it's a pretty good plan to think about. However, God requires the first 10% right off the top. Right off the top. And that's, that's considered, of course, a, an offering to God that will measure your obedience. Right? So, look here. When you give the tithe, this morning, I promise you, I wrote out my tithe check. Right? And, and I took it back, and I put it in the left side box on that side over there. Okay? I walked down the aisle, dropped it in there, you know. And, and here's the thing. It was not a measurement of, of how much I love God. It was a measurement of how much I obey God. Because when you tithe... You're, what it measures is your obedience. And I know it says here, and I, we play around with this, it says here that God loves a cheerful giver, so you ought to give with a smile. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Sometimes it hurts. Huh? And so God's not saying you need to be happy about tithing. God's just saying you just need to do it because it's the right thing to do. So for some of us who put our tithe in and we say, boy, I really needed that this week, but I'm going to try to be happy, it's okay. You did the right thing. You put your 10% in. Are you with me? And then, then there's something called sacrificial giving. Sacrificial, sacrificial is the offering. The offering, right? Look at that Bible verse. Will a man rob God? Yet ye rob me, but ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? And he said, in tithes and offerings. 
in tithes and offerings. So the tithe is required giving. God set the tone. God set the percentage. It's 10% period of your earnings. Say, Pastor, is that weekly, annually, quarterly? You know, how, how how do I give that? You ought to give it as God gives it to you. So if you get paid every single week, then you ought to tithe every single week. If you get paid every other week, you get the idea. If you're a once a monther, right, you get fixed income, you know, you tithe. Whenever God prospers you is when you give. Why? That's what God requires. Are you with me? But then the sacrificial, the offering is above and beyond. And so now pay attention to this. If, if the tithe is a measurement of our obedience, an offering is a measurement of our love. God doesn't put any, any percentage on that. You can give above your temper as much as you want or as little as you want. It all depends on you. Say amen right there. You don't have to believe this, and it's okay if you don't. But after I wrote out my tithe, guess what I also put in? An offering. I put in an offering. In fact, if Brother Smith, if you, you know this because you do the tithe records and all that, I, every single week of my life for a long time now, I give, Cousin Ed, I give more than 10%. I'll tell you why. Because during the course of a week, God blesses me more than just my paycheck. There are times people take me out for lunch or people bake me bread or people drop off a cake or, Miss Carol, I'm sure I've seen you sneaking out of my office. You better have put something in there and not taken anything out of there. And so, look here, I get a paycheck every week, and I thank the Lord for that, and I tithe, I give 10% of that, but I know during the course of a week, God blesses me in other ways, so I give a lot more than 10% in required giving, because I'm really not sure how much I'm making, you know? And then I also give an offering, why? Because I love God, and I can't outgive Him. And so I put above and beyond my tithe, which I already gave above and beyond what I was supposed to And I'm a special person, aren't I? No, I'm just, I'm just really doing what I'm required to do. I've been blessed beyond measure. Huh? And I think I told you this carpet just got crooked, and I can't preach with a crooked carpet because I have OCD, Tyler. You know about that, right? Uh, I never forget how God got my attention, Brother James. I was driving home from church one day, and my, chi- my tithe check was right here. I told you this before. I didn't put it in because I thought, and this is back in the day, Tony, I was making $250 a week. My tithe was $25. I had a $25 check in my pocket that I thought I could not live without. I went to church with the check in my pocket, Raj, and I left the church. church check was still in my pocket. And you know what I said? Here's what I said. Here's what I said, I'll give it tonight. And you know what God said? No, you won't. I'm going to take it, I'm going to take it another way. I said, huh? On the way home, what happened, Mr. Zendizzi? We got a blowout. Huh? Got a blowout. Going low speed, I wasn't traveling fast. In fact, I was just stop sign, turned the corner, all of a sudden I heard pop. I said, oh, man. Immediately, I mean to tell you, immediately the Spirit of God said, how's that check doing in your pocket now? And I said, it's yours, and I promise you never to hold on to your, your money again, and I never have, and that was, that was about three weeks ago. <laughs> and that was a long time ago, a long time ago. Why? Because God taught me a real valuable lesson, that I need him more than I needed that 25 bucks. Are you with me? Huh? 
And so the idea then is this. True Bible giving, right, involves required giving and sacrificial giving, the tithe and the offering, and they come together. And I appreciate this because some would say, well, God really doesn't require the tithe. But look what he said here. Uh, Wherein have ye robbed thee? And his reply, Malachi said in tithes and offerings. And so we really should say it this way. God doesn't require the tithe, but he expects it. I'm sorry, the offering. He doesn't require the offering, but he expects it. Why? Because the offering is a measurement of your love. The tithe is just what you're supposed to give. The offering, on the other hand, is a measurement of your love. Isn't that that awesome? And here's what you find when you read through the scriptures. You find that, that there has been generational giving going on from the very beginning. Generational giving. Huh? And, and they tapped into something that transcended their time and their culture. They tapped into the word of God. And you see all the way back from the beginning. Now, you go back to Cain and Abel. You go back to the, you know, to the Jewish culture, you know, they weren't giving 10% of, of a $1,000 paycheck. They were given 10% of their crops, 10% of their agriculture, you know, maybe their, their cattle or their sheep or 10% of their oil. Are you listening real good? I'm talking about generational gift. Through every generation, God's people have been givers and some, some really good givers. You will find time in the Bible where they kind of got hung up on things. Did you ever read the book of Haggai? Haggai? Huh? You know what happens in Haggai? Boy, the people of God got real cheap, and they stopped tithing. And so God said, you know, I'm going to have to do something about that. And, and there's a text in there where he talks about this. He said, you go, and you make money, and you earn your living, but you put it in bags with holes. And by the time you get your paycheck home, it's gone. Huh? All because he said, you did not consider my house. All you thought about was your house. You're robbing me. I want to tell you something. If you're robbing God, you're not real wise. Because the Bible says, if you rob God, he, he'll, he will permit the devourer to come and devour what you have left. Say, so where'd you find that out? Malachi chapter number 3, verse number 11 says this, and I will rebuke the devourer. When? When you brought the tithes into the storehouse, when you put yourself in a good position with God, he says, so then go ahead and rebuke the devourer. Who's the devourer? Well, it's, it's anyone or anything that devours your finances, and the devourer wants more than that. He wants your future. He wants your family. You know, he wants everything about you. But when you do right, the Bible says God will rebuke the devourer. Isn't that wonderful truth? So, how how does it operate? That's my question, and that's what I want to help you this morning. How how does giving operate? And i got just a couple minutes left, and I want to to throw this out to you. And that's about all you're going to get on the screen, because I want you to listen to me. Christian giving, the practice of Christian giving, begins in the heart. Go like that. I, I want you to get this. The practice of Christian giving begins in the heart. Say, in my heart. In my heart. And and this is what it sounds like. Now, let's pay attention to this. This is what it sounds like. I say, in my heart. Now, pay attention here. I say, in my heart, I want to give. Say it. 
I want to give. I want to give. Now, just because you want to give doesn't mean you did give. That's where it starts. It starts in here. I want to give. I want to do right. I want to obey God. I want to please God. I want God to delight in me. And so, in my heart, I say, I want to give. By the way, Christianity is a matter of the heart, isn't it? I mean, it's all, it's all in the heart. And so, we need to open up our heart to the moving of God, and somewhere in our heart, we say, I want to give. Look here. I want to do my part. I want to, I want to contribute. I want to be obedient. Where does it begin? Go ahead, point. Point. Now, I know we're not referring to that, but that's always where we point, right? The heart. Begins in the heart, but it doesn't stop there. Pay attention to this. The practice of Christian giving begins in the heart, but then it's transferred to the head. You with me? It begins where? And in the heart we say, I want to give. And then you transfer that to your head, and in your head you then say, I will give. Say it with me, I will give. Well, you're not really sold on that, are you? I want to, but I'm not sure if I'm ready to say I will. Huh? I mean, it goes from the heart to the head. And, and, and by the way, when, when, when it gets to the head, here's, here's what happens. The desire becomes a determination. Right? I want to, I will. My desire now becomes I am determined to give. And, and by the way, pay attention right here. This is usually where the problem sets in, right there. Huh? I would think this. I would think every child of God who understands salvation, who has been born again and knows they have eternity, seeing how good God is in your heart, you want to give. But there's something that happens between wanting to and actually giving right? And that's where we get hung up, and that's where the problem develops, and that's because sometimes we are too arbitrary with things. <laughs> and what we do is we operate based upon feeling rather than the will of God, right? Hmm? There's many people that sit down, they're getting ready to write, write out uh, what, would, what should be their tithe check, but instead of giving 10%, they say, well, this week we got this bill, that bill, this bill, uh, I, I'm just going to throw in 10 bucks. Now, if you made $100 this past week, 10 bucks is a good place to start. But there's not many of us living in New Jersey on 100 bucks a week, unless you're living outside Wawa. And even then, you can't live outside Wawa for 100 bucks a week. Huh? They charge more than that just park in the parking lot sometimes. So, here, here practice, the practice of Christian giving. Where does it begin? And then it's transferred to the, in the heart I say, in the head I say, and then it operates through the hand, where we then say, I did give. I did give. I walked down, I promise you, I couldn't wait to get out of my office this morning because I was holding on to God's money. And I left, I left that door right there, walked right down that center aisle, Bob Smith, and I went back, right back to that uh, black offering box back there. And I didn't want to wait for the guys to come around with the plates because I wanted to get it out of here because I don't want no more flat tires. <laughs> and I put it right in that box there. And you know what I said after that, Tyler? I did give. I did give. Huh? Where, 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 was it, where, where, where was it born? In my heart when I said, I want to. My head said, I will. And it transferred through my hand where I was able to say, I did. I did. That's the practice of Christian giving. Are you with me?
Huh? And it all begins with a good understanding of stewardship, where in my heart I come to understand that it all belongs to God, including my life. i never forget one of the very, 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 very first missions conferences I ever went to, Brother Preacher Riddell, the missionary, uh, the, the uh, guest keynote speaker was talking to us about giving faith, promise, giving, you know. And I'll never forget this. He called one of the ushers and said, hey, hey, give me an usher. Give me an offering plate. Now, I'm not you guys. And, and so they brought an offering plate down, and he went in, and he, and he got his wallet, and he said, so I could, I could put my wallet in there, but better than that, and you know what he did? He actually stood in the offering plate. Huh? And he took uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, where it says that the Macedonians first gave them own selves, their own selves to the Lord. So when you get in the plate, guess what gets in with you? Your wallet and your career and your car and your house and your spouse and your kids. It's all his. Amen? Many, many decades ago, back in the Old Testament, God asked Moses a question. I'm finished. Here was the question. God asked Moses. He said, Moses, what is that in your hand? And Moses replied, and Moses said, it's a shepherd's staff. And God, God said this, Donald, God said, release it. What is that in your hand? Moses said, a shepherd's staff. And God said, release it. And guess what Moses did? He released it, and, and God returned it to his hand. But when it returned to his hand, it had new power and new purpose. And if you ever watched the Ten Commandments or read the Bible, you know what happened in that story. Moses went from being just a fellow with a stick of wood to becoming Moses. Why? Because he released to God what he had in his hand. Let's go to the New Testament. New Testament. Generational giving. Moses. Here's a little fella that sees this large crowd. Jesus is teaching. Jesus says to his disciples, man, these folks have been with us all day. They're hungry. What are we supposed to do? And there was some kibitzing back and forth. And one fella said, well, I passed by a little boy, got a bag lunch. But what is that amongst so many? Now, you won't read this in the Bible, but I think this is what happened. I think Jesus said, I want you to go over and ask that little boy if he'll just give us what he's got. Huh? He didn't say, he didn't say, go ask that boy if he can, if he's got enough for everybody, because if you don't have enough for everybody, then you shouldn't have brought anything. No, he said, go ask that little boy if he'll just give us what he's got. And guess what that little boy did? He gave to Jesus a couple of fish and a couple of loaves. And Jesus blessed it, and it multiplied to the fact it fed multitudes that day. And there were 12 baskets left over. Generational giving. What happened there? i tell you what happened there. There was a transcending into, look here, truth always trumps culture. Did you get that? Truth trumps culture. And if we can just tap into the truth, we're going to be okay. So my question then to us today is this. What are you holding on to? And how tight are you holding on to it? 
Huh? Well, what is it? Maybe a, maybe a plan? You got, you got this plan. I got this plan, and I got to hold on to this because it's my plan. Maybe it's a relationship. Boy, I got this girl. I got this guy. I know they're not this. I know they're not that. But, boy, I got to hold on because it's the only one I might get. Maybe it's an offering. What are you holding on to? Here's the truth. If you'll just come to a place where you'll release it to God, you'd be surprised what God can then do in return. Guarantee. Look here. Maybe God's not blessing you because your hand's not open. Huh? Somebody said this a long time ago. Whatever you're holding on to, hold on to loosely because one day God might require it. And that's not just money. That's not money. That's everything. That's your life. It's your life. I'll never forget, brother, brother preacher, sitting right back where maybe you were in a church service. All of a sudden, God placed his hand upon me, called me to preach. And I thought, what in the world is this all about? Up to that point, I was an introverted individual. And all of a sudden, I seen myself, preacher, leaving my seat and coming down. My Donna was sitting right there, and I'm sure she was wondering, where is he going now? What's he going to do now? And I walked down the aisle and knelt down. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I just released it. And I'm going to tell you something. It's been a long time now. What God has given me back has been unbelievable. Unbelievable. Maybe today we just need to trust him. Knowing that he owns it all. Right? The cattle on the and the hills. All the silver, all the gold. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof the world. And they that dwell therein. But all belongs to him, and I'm glad I belong to him. And he can do far better with me and with what I have than I ever could. Do you believe that? That's stewardship. Huh? And that's generational giving. Something that transcends time, truth. And Jesus said, I am the truth. Truth is absolute, not relational, or uh, not uh, arbitrary. It's, it's absolute, and we have absolute truth in that book. Amen? Amen. Do with that what you will, but I trust I help somebody today. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcasts or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.